everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to start a little series on rediscovering Jesus in the Old Testament. Along with the rediscovery, we're going to be opening our eyes to some truths about the Old Testament and challenging some preconceived ideas we might have. Is God real? Not just real, but like real, real. Is God really real? That is a question we have to ask and we have to answer because it is going to challenge and change the rest of our theology. If God is real, real, as in he exists, this strange spiritual being that we don't understand and yet is so much higher than us and so much of Above us and just so much crazier than we could even ever comprehend. If he is real, real like that, then we don't get to decide who he is as people. We only get to discover him because he exists apart from our understanding or our knowledge or our beliefs. I think this is a super vital theological truth that we have to wrestle with. I just see this happening all the time within Christianity right now, especially within the more progressive realm of Christianity, where it's almost as though people have decided that they can decide who God is and they can decide what is true about him based on how they feel. And it's just very unique to me. I don't quite understand it because I feel like to some extent there's almost this evolutionary twist to it as though we are a more evolved form of humanity somehow. So we can like, we're smarter and we can, in our advanced knowledge, be able to understand more than the people in the Bible understood. It's just, no one ever says that, but it just kind of comes across that way to me a little bit. And it's almost like our own feelings, how we feel about things and how we see things based on our 21st century, you know, viewpoints. Somehow that is better than how God was viewed in the Bible. And there's just kind of this dismissiveness towards scripture. And at the same time, with these progressive Christians, like I totally understand their point of how evangelical Christianity has just hurt people, how religious Christianity has just botched things over the years. Like I totally get that. And I think that as evangelical Christians, which I don't even like to call myself that anymore. I call myself an Orthodox Christian or historical Christian just because of the baggage associated with that term. But with more of this historical Christianity or this Orthodox Christianity, okay, but let's be honest, the evangelical church has blown it there in so many ways. And I think we need to start just acknowledging that and saying, yeah, we're we're screwed up. So with the progressive church, I understand a lot of where they're coming from. I understand their heart. I understand the brokenness that they've probably experienced. I mean, I've been there. I've I've felt that too. But at the same time, I just feel like we can't go down that trail of, well, I get to decide about who God is based on how I feel about stuff or how it feels to me or how it seems to me to be logically correct. Because if God is real, real, then he is whoever he is, whether or not we like it or understand it or anything like that. And so we don't get to decide who he is. We get to discover who he is. And that is my huge passion when it comes to anything related to God, the Bible, Christianity, whatever. I want to know the truth. I don't want to just know what I think I know. 
or what other people have told me that they know, I want to know what the truth is. And I want to go get that truth from scripture, accurately understood with good hermeneutics. And I want to get it from the history of Christianity. What have people believed for the last 2000 years about Jesus? And I want to get it from the spirit himself. I want him to talk to me about this because he's real. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks just really diving into who Jesus is in the Old Testament. Because when it comes to the Bible, I feel like the Old Testament, more than the New Testament really, has been just misused and abused in people's lives. And if you've been abused by Christianity, you're probably going to relate to this because so often it's the law, it's the God of the Old Testament, it's the stories in the Old Testament, it's the requirements in the Old Testament that have been used to really just harm us and give us a false idea of who God is. And so a lot of us just want nothing to do with the Old Testament. We don't understand it. It seems so foreign. We don't know how to read it. God seems so different than Jesus sometimes, and we're just not really sure how to handle it. And so often we'll just ignore it or just lay it aside, or we're just not really sure what to do with it. On the flip side, I've met some people who are very uncomfortable with Jesus and are much more comfortable with the old, with the God of the Old Testament. And I just find that super interesting. Somehow we think we can separate the two of them, the three of them technically, but we'll talk about that another time. And make them different from each other because the, the Bible is pretty clear that, I shouldn't say pretty clear, the Bible is incredibly clear that God and the Holy Spirit and God the Father are all one. They're all the same God. They're all, they're not different from each other. And yet they're same, but different, if that makes sense. Different people, different representations. I don't know how to explain it. I'm just going to go ahead and accept it. I'm just going to accept it. So let's talk about this God of the Old Testament. And let's talk about the Old Testament. The Old Testament, in my own personal life, was one of the things that was really used to abuse me spiritually. In my cultic organization, the law was just I mean, picked and chosen from at will. So like, don't eat pork, but it's okay to wear fabric that's two different kinds of fabric at the same time. Just goofy stuff like that. But at the same time, that God of the Old Testament was really just hammered on us. They took a lot of the stories and just really moralized them and turned them into, this is how you should do things. And this is how you shouldn't do things. And you should watch out because he's going to get you if you step on a line. And the more I've read the Old Testament for myself, the more I just realized that they did a terrible job at portraying the God of the Old Testament and terrible job at even just representing the stories in the Old Testament. But they're just, they're just easily twisted. It's easily twisted. And so part of the reason behind that is because it was written such a long time ago. The Old Testament was written in the ancient Near East thousands and thousands of years ago. And the language that's used and the culture that they had back then is just really foreign to us. And so we're just really separated from it. And so we need to understand that the Old Testament is an ancient book. And like any kind of literature, there's things that we just don't get because there's nuances. There is um, war language in it. Tons of ancient Near East war language. that was just something how they wrote back then. And so a lot of the stories that people have a hard time with, this, they use the word genocide. People are like, oh, the God of the Old Testament, he loved genocide. He's just wiping people out constantly and saying, you know, kill them. And, and the interesting thing is, like, if you look into the ancient Near East war language, it's very similar to the way we would say, oh, my football team just totally killed that team last night, but nobody actually died. And so, so often when they were saying, and they utterly destroyed them, it basically just means they conquered them. So it's so interesting to look into stuff like that. So I would just encourage you as you're looking into the Old Testament, let's not reject the Old Testament. I feel like that's a very popular way of dealing with it. We'll just reject it all. 
So let's not reject the Old Testament because the Old Testament is historical narrative. It's prophecy. It's all kinds of wonderful genres in there. There's wisdom literature. We have to have it if we're going to understand who God is, who we are, who Jesus is. We must have the Old Testament. So let's not reject it. But at the same time, let's not abuse it. Let's not just assume that we can understand it in our 21st century English version of it without actually digging into it. Let's not abuse it in that we're going to go ahead and take these laws out of context. We're going to take this God of the Old Testament out of context. And we're going to use that to abuse people. Let's not abuse people with it. So how do we handle the Old Testament? Well, I would suggest that we reframe it. That's understanding how, to the best of our ability, the culture of the time, the language of the time. So many of the things in the Old Testament that we read were shocked by, but it was really just part of the culture back then. It was not shocking to the people who were there because it was things that happened all the time around them. And so you have to understand God is moving in a way people understand, you know, in the, within their culture, in their context. So let's reframe it and let's go ahead and embrace it. Let's embrace the truth about people and about God that we can understand from it. I, I think I said before, I was just blown away by my journey through Judges. I talked about this in season one of my podcast. And just as I read the Bible for itself and without the commentary of people, it was just amazing to me to see the grace and love and mercy of this God in the Old Testament. So let's not reject it. Let's not abuse it. But let's reframe it and let's embrace it. And so part of the way we're going to do that in this next little series is just to look for Jesus in the Old Testament. I'm super excited about this because it's not like Jesus just suddenly appeared when he was born of a virgin. John 1 is very clear that Jesus is the one who spoke the world into existence, the entire world. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. I love that. It's not, I mean, I love Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Jesus. I love how he just makes God so accessible and so real and we can see him and feel him and touch him and like he's just so real to us. And so the thought that he was in the beginning with God and that he is God and God is Jesus and it's just this wonderful, crazy mystery is amazing to me. But it gets even better, guys. If we go back to the beginning of the Bible, and we look at the creation, and here's Jesus speaking it into existence. He makes the people, he gives people the ability to know him. And somehow they all have this great time together in the Garden of Eden. And I am one of those people who believes that Genesis 1 through 3 is a poetic retelling of actual account. Okay, I really believe there was a real Adam and a real Eve. I believe that God really did create the world. I think those are vital theological truths. Without real people that God is relating to, without a real situation where sin entered the world, we just, the whole, the whole story falls apart. We no longer have sin that causes the brokenness. We no longer have a need for a savior. It just, it just falls apart. We have to have that. And I know that God put that in the Bible there on purpose to show us who he is and who we are. Like we've got to have those, those are just foundational truths. So in Genesis 1 through 3, as God makes the world and then as sin enters the world, this is, this is the foundation. This is why we are who we are. This is why we want what we want. It all just makes sense here. And we understand that God's perfect creation gets broken right away by the people that he made, that he gave a free will to, and they chose to do something different. And he said, he said, don't eat that. And they said, okay. And then they ate it anyway. And that's the beginning of sin. That's where it all falls apart. But I find it so interesting because 
As Adam and Eve have chosen to listen to the serpent, they have eaten the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They would listen to his lies. They were deceived by him. And they went ahead and disobeyed God. And now their eyes are opened. They know they're naked. They understand good and evil. And they hide from God. And God comes looking for them. And it says they heard the sound of the footsteps of the Lord God in the garden in the cool of the day. Because apparently they would walk together and they knew what his footsteps sounded like. And they hear his footsteps and they hide from him. And God comes after them. And instead of coming with judgment and condemnation and like accusation, he says, where are you? And guys, does that sound like somebody you know? A God with feet that walk and footsteps that you can hear? A God who looks for the broken. In Luke, it says that Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost. And right here, we've got God in the garden, walking and looking for the broken people who just disobeyed him. And he says, where are you? And then he seeks them out. They find him. They admit they're wrong to him. And he has to issue punishment. And he does. There's things that happen. There's consequences that happen. Sin always brings death. And even though Adam and Eve didn't die immediately, death entered the world. Brokenness entered the world. Nothing worked right after that. Here's the thing. It doesn't say it anywhere. But if this is Jesus standing there in the garden with them, pre-incarnate Jesus, and he's issuing these curses, and he's telling them that someday the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent, he's talking about himself. I don't know, it just gives me chills. And then to think if Jesus himself kills the first animal and he creates these clothes for them, he puts the clothes on them knowing that he himself is going to die. It's just a beautiful thing. I love that. Jesus is so, like I said, he's so accessible to me. And to to think that maybe that's who it is in the garden makes sense. Oh, it's beautiful. And so even in the very time when Adam and Eve are screwing it all up, here's Jesus, who knows that in a few thousand years, he himself is going to hang on that cross. His blood is going to be shed, and he is going to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world, that God himself will come down and pay the price. It was always going to be that way. It was always meant to be that way. The rescue was already planned from the very beginning of time. I don't know why. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense, but it's beautiful. I'm going to accept it and embrace it. So guys, we have to have everything. We have to understand the whole Bible because without it, we're missing pieces. We're missing things. And so I want you to just think about that. Like I said, the Bible doesn't clearly say, oh, this was Jesus, but it might have been. It might have been. And I don't think it really matters which part of the Godhead is there in the garden, but for my heart, My heart loves the thought that it might be Jesus, that he's the God who's always sought people and he always makes a way back to him because that's the point. That's the point. God wants people to be in relationship with him. And he's already done everything necessary to make that happen. He always has and he always will. There's nothing separating you from a relationship with the God who created you because Jesus took the punishment and he offers you life.
And all you have to do to accept that is just say, okay, take it. It's a gift and he's giving it to you. He's saying, I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want to give you eternal life. And I want that life to start now. I'll put my spirit inside of you and I will make you alive. I will take the burden of sin from you and I will take it all on me. Guys, it's a miracle. It's amazing. It's beautiful. I could talk about it forever. <sighs> so as we close this one up, I just want you guys to just be willing to rethink the Old Testament. That perhaps the things that you have heard about it aren't necessarily accurate. And perhaps the God that is revealed there is actually very similar to Jesus Christ. Keep thinking about that. Keep questioning. And until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.